Chapter Four of the Campfire Girls Amid the Snows. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. The Campfire Girls Amid the Snows by Margaret Vandercook. Chapter Four, the reason o it. Rose, Betty Ashton called at about ten o'clock the next morning. Betty was sitting alone before the living room fire, the other girls having gone into town to school several hours before. Books and papers and writing materials were piled on a table before her and evidently she had been working on some abstruse problem in mathematics for several sheets of legal cap paper were covered with figures rose she called again and so plaintively this second time that the new guardian of the sunrise campfire girls hurried in from the kitchen a gingham apron covered her from head to foot a large mixing spoon was in one hand and a becoming splash of flour on one cheek what is it dear she inquired anxiously does your foot hurt worse than it did i ought to have come in to you right away but mammy and i have been making enough loaves of bread to feed a regiment and i have been turning some odds and ends of the dough into campfire emblems to have for tea rings and bracelets and crossed logs i am afraid i am still dreadfully frivolous and rose flushed for in spite of betty's own problem she was smiling at her this the rose who had come to her first campfire council only a month before in a paris frock probably never having cooked a meal for anyone in her life however betty answered loyally you are quite wonderful rose and only the other day donna said you were giving to our campfire life what with all her knowledge she had somehow failed to give it the real intimate family feeling i suppose i oughtn't to have interrupted you no it isn't my foot it is only that i have gotten myself into a new difficulty and i want to ask you what you think i had best do and with a worried frown betty again studied the closely written figures which must have represented some still unsolved problem for she continued staring at them turning the sheets over and over finally before speaking she drew an open letter from her pocket carefully re-reading several lines i suppose it isn't worth while my mentioning rose that none of us do anything at present but think dream and plan for our campfire christmas entertainment she said with a half sigh and smile and you know 
packages have been coming to me until the attic is most full of them i have just been charging things as i bought them and until today i haven't paid much attention to what they cost but yesterday i received such a strange letter from mother she writes that father is a little better and i am not to worry as she hopes we may have a happy christmas however she can't send me any more money for the holidays beyond my usual allowance father has had some business losses lately and not being able to look after things himself they are not going quite right isn't it odd for you see i have already explained to her that we were going to have unusually heavy expenses this christmas and please to let me have money instead of a present yet she says she can't send me anything poor mother she apologizes humbly instead of telling me that i am an extravagant wretch but just the same it is the first time in my life i haven't had all the money i needed to spend at christmas and now i don't see how i am ever going to pay for all the things i have bought i don't think i have any right to be a campfire girl if i am in debt and i am miles instead of answering immediately rose turned away her face to conceal a look of concern at betty's news which she did not wish the young girl to see other persons in woodford were beginning to speculate upon a possible change in the ashton fortune certain enterprises in which mr ashton had been concerned had been known to fail but then no one understood to what extent he had been interested can't you give up some of the things dear rose suggested gently knowing that betty had never been called upon to do any such thing before in her life but to her surprise she now saw that her companion's expression had entirely changed what a goose i am betty laughed cheerfully of course i can write to old dick for the money i don't usually like to ask him for he is such a conscientious person so unlike reckless me and will probably scold but then he will give me the money just the same i wonder if anything ever happened to make dick more serious than other young men he isn't a bit like frank wharton or other wealthy fellows who do nothing but spend money and have a good time he seems just devoted to studying medicine and sometimes he has said such strange things to mother as though there might be some special reason why he wanted so much to help people and feeling that her own dilemma was now comfortably settled betty fell to puzzling over the older problem which she had always kept more or less at the back of her mind but curiously enough rose dyer shook her head discouragingly 
i wouldn't try that method of getting the money betty if i were you she replied thoughtfully i suppose it hasn't occurred to you that if your mother and father are not able to give you extra money and you know dick always makes them put you first why he is probably not having any extra money either and since his whole heart is set on going to germany next year to continue his work why he is probably saving all that he can now so as not to be an additional expense rose was several years older than dick but they had known one another ever since she came as a young girl to new hampshire from her home in georgia bringing her colored mammy with her for rose's parents had died and she had lived with an old uncle until a few years before when he had gone leaving her his heiress now rose's pretty home in woodford was closed for the winter and her chaperone living in florida while she spent her time trying to learn to be a worthy guardian for the campfire girls perhaps she really had heard more of dick ashton's early life than his sister betty and had a special reason for her interest in him however she said nothing of it i wonder if i couldn't lend you the money i am not rich as you are but perhaps i have and here betty shook her head decisively i couldn't borrow the money of anybody one way of owing it would be as bad as another i simply have got to find a way she stopped suddenly because the sound of someone driving up to the cabin surprised her and then to her great surprise her guardian after a hurried glance out of the window dropped her mixing spoon with a clatter and positively ran out of the room betty stared she could only see rather a shabby old-fashioned buggy standing near the totem pole in front of their cabin and a young man hitching his horse to it almost forgetting her bandaged ankle the girl hobbled over to the door but when she had opened it gave an involuntary cry of pain and the next instant found herself being lifted and carried back to her chair you must not try to walk until you are sure things are all right with you a strange voice said severely then in answer to betty's look of amazement he took off his hat and bowed gravely she found herself staring at a tall slender man of about thirty in carefully brushed clothes which nevertheless had an old-fashioned country appearance and with a face at once so handsome and so stern that he looked as if he might have stepped out of an old frame which had held the portrait of one of the early puritan fathers i am the doctor silvio wharton is studying with miss ashton he explained you don't know me 
but i know very well who you are i have only been living in this part of the country for the past two years trying to build up a practice among the farming people so that when sylvia stopped by and asked me to come and see you i telephoned at once to your physician in town but finding him out i thought it might be best the young man hesitated and flushed he was morbidly sensitive and conscientious and knowing mr ashton's prominence would not for the world have made an effort to gain betty as a patient however betty was by this time suffering so much that she gave a little cry of relief sylvia has much more sense than any of us she returned gratefully i assured everybody i wasn't suffering in the least this morning and now well i suppose i shouldn't have walked over to the door the young doctor had knelt on the floor and was gently removing the bandage from the swollen ankle sylvia has done very well he declared the first aid idea is one of the best things i know about you campfire girls and sylvia is trying to make me a convert but surely you are not here alone miss dyer is your chaperone or guardian i am not entirely sure what you call her why yes rose is here i can't understand why she does not come in betty returned feeling rather aggrieved and surprised at rose's neglect of her but at this instant hearing the bedroom door open both the girl and the young man turned and betty just managed to control a quick exclamation for to her amazement for the first time since coming to the cabin rose had discarded her campfire costume and was again fashionably dressed in a soft brown silk entirely inappropriate to her work and to the cabin if betty had thought young dr barton's face stern at first seeing him it was as nothing to his expression now he bowed formally but as his manner showed he had known rose before betty closed her eyes the pain in her foot was increasing each instant now that sylvia's dressing had been removed when she opened them again she found rose kneeling on the floor by dr barton entirely forgetful of her gown and listening quietly to his curt orders then during the next fifteen minutes rose dyer had her first experience as a trained nurse wondering all the time she was at work how she could possibly be so stupid and so awkward for she splashed hot water on her gown and hand tripped over her long skirt and was so nervous when betty showed any sign of pain that the tears blinded her brown eyes and her hands trembled she might have broken down except that dr barton so plainly expected her to do what she was told 
and because of a wrathful figure that stood immovable in the doorway it was mammy dressed in a stiff purple calico gown with a white handkerchief tied about her head mammy was past seventy and no longer able to do much work but she had never left her little rose in the twenty-seven year of her life and never would so long as she lived not able to help a great deal she was still able to give the sunrise camp fire club a great deal of advice and then she was also a kind of additional guardian since rose could not have been left alone at the cabin all morning with the girls in town at school i ain't never had much use for yankee gentlemen she mumbled to herself plainly expecting a little audience to hear where i come from the gentlemen was always waitin on the ladies not askin them to tote and fetch same as if they was poo white trash End of chapter 4